We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And away we go. Episode 673 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Monday, October 9th. 2023 off a weekend in which a head coach of a football team of Washington, D.C. was ousted. No, not Commander's head coach Rod Rivera. Don't get too excited. D.C. United head coach Wayne Rooney, the head coach of D.C.'s Major League Soccer team, a football team. Uh, He is out. United on Saturday night announced that the team and Rooney had, quote, mutually agreed to part ways, end quote. I always love that phrase, mutually agreed to part ways. Yes, it was mutual. We both wanted this. Really, we did. This was a mutual decision. Uh, You know, Rooney had just been named as United's head coach in July 2022. He's now out in this month of October 2023. United concluded its regular season with a 2-0 win over New York City FC at Audi Field on Saturday night. But this is a non-playoff season for United. Hello and welcome to this Monday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Will this be a non-playoff season for the Commanders? Uh, Well, if their defense does not get a lot better, probably, yes. Uh, Coming up next segment, I will go in-depth on the struggles of the Commanders' defense off what Ron Rivera had to say during his day after the game press conference on Friday afternoon off the uh, wonderfully uplifting 40-20 loss to the Chicago Bears at FedEx Field this past Thursday night. What we're going to do is attack what exactly is going on here with the defense and why and how this defense can get better. Ron on Friday afternoon discussed the state of his coaching staff, what it can do to make the defense better, whether he is surprised by how bad the defense has been, uh, the struggles of corner Emmanuel Forbes Jr., uh, a theory for why the defense has been so bad, and more. The time for yelling and screaming about what happened (laughs) in that debacle of a loss to the Bears is done. The focus now needs to be on assessing and fixing the problem that is this commander's defense. The emotions now can subside. The analysis now, the sober, rational thinking now, can take over. Let us see what we can come up with. Uh, And then after that, I'll get into some non-defense topics with the commanders off what Ron had to say on Friday afternoon, including the ultra 
pass-heavy approach that the team is taking to offense this season. And Ron's message to you, the Commanders fan, of that embarrassing performance on Thursday night. What is it you say? You're not in the mood for a message from Ron? Oh, you're going to get <laughs> a message from Ron. The 2-3 and three Commanders at the now 3-2 and two Atlanta Falcons this Sunday afternoon at 1. Can slash will the Manders get to 500 in this 2023 regular season with a win at the Falcons this Sunday afternoon? You know, any notion of former Washington quarterback Taylor Heineke, now the Falcons a QB2 being their starting quarterback for this game against the Commanders. Now is gone because the Falcons QB1, Desmond Ritter, played quite well on Sunday afternoon. A 21-19 home win over the Houston Texans. Ritter went 28 of 37 for 329 yards, a touchdown, and no interceptions. Andy took no sacks. Andy had a seven-yard touchdown run. What might he do against the commander's defense? Also on the show, I will talk Orioles. A brutal weekend for them. Their first playoff appearance in seven seasons. Uh, Not going so well. The O's lost each of the first two games of the best of five American League Division Series against the Texas Rangers, with each loss being at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Game one, Saturday afternoon, a 3-2 loss. Game two, Sunday, an 11-8 loss. The O's are a loss away from their great 2023 season coming to an end. Uh, And I have a proper college football segment for you. Breakdowns of Maryland's 37-17 loss at then number four Ohio State on Saturday afternoon. Virginia Tech's 39-17 loss at then number five Florida State on Saturday. Navy's 27-24 home win over North Texas on Saturday. And Virginia's 27-13 home win over William & Mary on Saturday afternoon. The Terrapins, they were up 10-0 in the second quarter at the Buckeyes, and uh, then came the rest of the game. Before we get to some feedback, some Nationals news. Uh, We on Friday had multiple reports that the Nats are hiring Danny Huss as their new scouting director. Uh, Danny Huss has spent time in the front offices of the Arizona Diamondbacks, the Orioles, and the Boston Red Sox. Uh, The Nats scouting and drafting have been big problems for years now. We've talked about that uh, many times on this podcast. Danny Huss replaces Chris Klein. Uh, It was on September 8th that we learned that the Nats were moving their assistant general manager and vice president of scouting operations, Chris Klein, into a new role of special assistant to president of baseball operations and general manager Mike Rizzo. In other words, Chris Klein was being demoted. Chris Klein, a right-hand man of Mike Rizzo for years. Klein was hired by the Nats in the fall of 2006, spent the next three seasons as a cross-checker for the team, and then was promoted to director of scouting in October 2009. Him being reassigned a big deal. And what ends up happening with Danny Haas running the Nats uh, scouting operations, a big deal. You could tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Lots of feedback on the commanders. Email from Stanley Evans, right? Stanley, I remember Magic Johnson saying that the players did not have to worry about off the field drama any longer, that all that they would have to worry about is football. A part of me wanted to believe that that was going to cause more wins because you just felt this new rejuvenation that the players did not have to worry about 
this black cloud hanging over them any longer. Well, it seems that the black cloud (laughs) has not left. It was easy for us to blame Dan Snyder, not saying that he wasn't really bad, but Ron Rivera and the players have no excuse now. They got the ownership change that we all wanted. They got sold-out crowds like Ron and the players wanted. And now we seem to be getting worse. I drove three hours to see that abysmal performance after being hyped all pregame and hyping up everyone at FedEx Field, buying expensive beer because (laughs) this team made me drink and had to drive home in silent disgust. Thank you for the email, Stanley. Well, hopefully you were sober or sober enough while driving home. But that is the thing about this loss to the Bears. It's not just that the Commanders lost. It's not just the margin by which the Commanders lost. It's not even just to whom the Commanders lost. The team and the Bears in the midst of a 14-game regular season losing streak. No, it's that the Commanders had a sellout crowd filled with fans who are dying for Washington to be really good again and have been waiting for so long for Washington to be really good again, and are so wanting to embrace the team again off the Josh Harris group buying the team from Dan and Tanya Snyder. And the team ended up putting forth a performance, the likes of which we saw way too often during Dan's 24 seasons of ownership of the team. And speaking of Magic Johnson, his tweet on Thursday night, quote, Tonight, the commanders played with no intensity or fire. We didn't compete in the first half and got down 27-3 heading into halftime. It was too big of a hole to climb out of, and that is why we ended up losing 40-20, end quote. A lot has been made of that first sentence, quote, tonight, the commanders played with no intensity or fire, end quote, and that being a shot at Ron Rivera and his staff, and Look, that sentence certainly may have been a shot at Ron and his staff, but, you know, that also may have been a shot at the players. It's not exactly clear. May have been a shot at all parties involved, but no doubt. I mean, Magic Johnson, one of the top limited partners in the Josh Harris group, you pay attention when he puts a tweet like that out there. And bottom line, both commanders, coaches, and players were to blame for Thursday night. You don't have to pick just one. Email from Ken writes, Ken, the Bears ate. Goldilocks. <laughs> uh, thank you for that, Ken. Yes, uh, we on this past Friday show, episode 672, I uh, did have the convergence of Goldilocks and the Bears. Uh, email from Thelonious Funk writes Thelonious, I'm sure that Mrs. Eberflus will be sending Christmas cards to the Washington coaching staff because she will be able to remove the for sale sign from her and her husband's house. <laughs> Why does Washington seem to be everyone's get right or record-setting game team? Thank you for the email, Thelonious. Good question, especially regarding Washington being everyone's get-right team. Know this, there have been 10 regular season losing streaks, each of at least 14 games for NFL teams in the 2000s. Three of those 10 losing streaks have ended with victories over Washington. How about that? The Bears, with their win at the Commanders on Thursday night, snapped a 14-game regular season losing streak. The Houston Texans, with their win over the Redskins in Week 1 of the 2014 season, snapped a 14-game regular season losing streak. And the Detroit Lions, with their win over the Skins in Week 3 of the 2009 season, snapped a 19-game regular season losing streak. 
Uh, our team is the ultimate slump buster. But Nova Fireplace and Stove, that is the ultimate company for your fireplace, stove, and chimney needs. Hey, what Washington is to ending losing streaks for other teams, that is what Nova Fireplace and Stove is for your fireplace, stove, and chimney needs. Nova Fireplace and Stove is outstanding. It handles gas fireplace sales service and installation, handles gas, electric, and wood stoves, and handles chimney cleaning and repair. If you live in Northern Virginia, stay warm and upgrade the feel and value of your home with Nova Fireplace and Stove. Call Nova Fireplace and Stove at 571-513-3803. Mention that Al Galdi sent you and receive $25 off any service or receive a free vent kit on any in-stock gas insert. Nova Fireplace and Stove, it has been around for more than 20 years. It is run by massive Commanders fans, and it has outstanding professionals. Whatever the work that you need done requires, Nova Fireplace and Stove has. Master gas fitter, master electrician, class A contractor, licensed chimney inspector, and because of this, Nova Fireplace and Stove can complete your project without the need for any subcontractors, and Nova Fireplace and Stove can pull all of the necessary county permits for the work that is being done. Additionally, Nova Fireplace and Stove can perform fireplace and chimney safety inspections. See for yourself the work that Nova Fireplace and Stove can do. It has a showroom in Woodbridge, Virginia, and has a terrific website, NovaFireplaceandStove.com. And take advantage of the special deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Call Nova Fireplace and Stove at 571-513-3803. Mention that Al Galdi sent you and receive $25 off any service or receive a free vent kit on any in-stock gas insert. Join the Nova Fireplace and Stove family and experience the fireplace service and care that you deserve. Call 571-513-3803. That's 571-513-3803. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Hey, thank you to all of you who have given this podcast a five-star rating and who have written nice reviews of the podcast. You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate this podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated, and you on Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast. The review does not have to be long. can be just a sentence or two, but the ratings and the reviews help us out a lot. So thank you very much for doing them. You know how sometimes something that initially looks really bad ends up being not as bad as initially thought? Uh, yeah, that is not the case with the performance of the commander's defense in the 40-20 loss to the Chicago Bears at FedEx Field this past Thursday night. We're now four days removed from that game, and the commander's defensive performance in the game looks as bad, if not worse, than initially thought. There's no need to rehash everything, but something that to me makes the defensive performance look even worse is that what now seems clear is that Chicago picked up on some things that it could exploit. First of all, the Bears, as you may recall, won the pregame coin toss, but opted to receive the game opening kickoff. It was as if the Bears could not wait to be on offense. Second of all, we had these very telling comments from Bears offensive lineman Tevin Jenkins during his postgame session with reporters about the commander's defense. Quote, couple times they were trying to give false looks 
And it seemed like some of the guys either weren't aware or they were just being lazy about making the shift. And that led to some really open plays for us. End quote. Boy, if that is not an indictment of an opposing team's defense, I don't know what is. So what now? What matters at this point is what now with this commander's defense? How does it get better this season? Will the defense get better this season? Uh, Well, Jack Del Rio still is the commander's defensive coordinator. He was not fired over the last three days. Uh, Commander's head coach Ron Rivera on Friday afternoon did a day after the game press conference. This was Ron on if he expected the immediate aftermath of the loss to the Bears to include any changes to his coaching staff. No, no. We've, what, game five, we've got 12 left to play. Um, there's plenty of football left, and we haven't had an opportunity to finish uh, you know, working on things that I talked about last night. we still got several things to go through. So I do get the sentiment of wanting Jack Del Rio fired, okay? But personally, I am okay with the commanders having not fired Jack over the last few days. Uh, I'm not happy with Jack. I don't know how that you could be happy with Jack. But two things to consider. First of all, if the commanders did fire Jack, then who would be defensive coordinator? Like, firing Jack sounds great in the moment, but who's your replacement? There isn't an obvious person on the coaching staff. Heck, I'm not even sure that there's anyone on the coaching staff beyond Jack and Ron Rivera, who is called defensive plays at the NFL level. Now, it is worth remembering that there had been someone on the coaching staff viewed as a future defensive coordinator, Chris Harris. Uh, He spent the previous three seasons as Washington's defensive backs coach. He, in each of three consecutive offseasons, 2021 through 2023, came up for a job elsewhere, and the Tennessee Titans this past February 7th announced the hiring of Harris as Titans defensive pass game coordinator and cornerbacks coach. If Chris Harris was still with the commanders, he would be an obvious replacement for Jack Del Rio, but Harris is not still with the commanders. And by the way, you do wonder if Harris's departure is part of this like total fall off of the commander's secondary. Uh, But also with not firing Jack Del Rio is this. Ask yourself the following question. What is the most realistic and feasible path to what we want with this commander's defense? It getting appreciably better as the season goes on. The answer is Jack doing what he has done in each of his first three seasons as Washington defensive coordinator, and that is getting the defense to be appreciably better as the season goes on. Washington, in each of its first three seasons with Jack as defensive coordinator 2020 through 2022, got off to a bad start defensively and then got a lot better defensively as the season went on. Well, here we are, a fourth bad start to a season in four seasons with Jack as defensive coordinator. Why this keeps happening, I do not know. That this keeps happening is an indictment of Jack, no doubt. But if history holds, this commander's defense will get better. Jack will figure some things out. Ron Rivera on Friday afternoon on if he's surprised by how poorly his defense is playing. Well, I'm I'm a little dis I'm a little disappointed more so than I am surprised. I just think that um, you know some of the things that we have to do is we have to we have to play a little bit more discipline. Um, we're going to tr- stop trying to do more than we need to. 
uh, and do our jobs. Probably the basic thing that, you know, goes to it. You know, and, and as I said, you know, we're taking a look at some of the things that we're doing with them. You know, are we truly putting them in the best position to make plays? And, and that's the thing that, you know, we have to look at and go through in the next, uh, you know, next day. And this was Ron Rivera on Friday afternoon on how the coaching staff could do a better job of putting players in positions to succeed. Well, a lot of it has uh, some of it has to do with looking at some of the uh, some of the choices that we we make calls on, and that's one thing that to do it, um, giving them some liberties with some of the techniques or demanding certain things with certain techniques that just have to be done. There's there's no there's no if, ands or buts about it. There is no unit on the commander's defense that deserves a gold star, (laughs) okay? The commanders have allowed at least 30 points in each of four consecutive games. The commanders for this regular season are allowing opponents to average a whopping 5.89 yards per play. However, what has become apparent to me, and I'm guessing to more than a few of you, is that the commander's defensive unit most at fault for the defensive struggles is the secondary. The secondary is the thing. More on that in moments. But the commander's defense has been so bad, uh, we should be able to take legal action (laughs) against Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio. I don't know that we can do that, but I do know that if you have a case, you should contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that is always ready to fight for you. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Call 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace provides a passionate advocacy on behalf of injury victims designed to help them and their families move forward after the most difficult of times. And Paulson and Nace is excellent at what it does. Paulson and Nace has recovered millions of dollars for the sick and injured. Uh, How about this? Two verdicts versus Merrill Dow totaling $132 million dollars. Yeah, Polson and Nace has taken on Big Pharma and won. Uh, Clifton versus Georgetown University Hospital, a $50 million verdict for a young mother injured during childbirth. Uh, Bradley versus the United States of America, Polson and Nace won a case for which the United States government had to pay nearly $1.8 million. Uh, this to a former American University field hockey player because of a military doctor's failure to diagnose and treat the student for a 2011 concussion that left her with permanent symptoms. Polson and Nace took on the U.S. government <laughs> and won. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wrong but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. And don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, when tragedy happens, let the family of Paulson and Nace take care of your family. So the commander's defense, you look at the three major position groups on the defense, the defensive line, the linebackers, and the secondary. The defensive line has not been perfect. Uh, Certainly was part of the bad run defense in the loss to the Bears, but each of the commander's top three highest graded players per pro football focus for the game 
was a defensive lineman. Uh, interior defensive lineman Deron Payne finished with two quarterback hits and a forced fumble. He, for the game, was the highest graded commander's player per pro football focus with an overall grade of 85.7. PFF grades are on a scale of 0 to 100. Edge defender Chase Young finished with half of a sack, three quarterback hits, and a pass defense. He, for the game, was the second highest graded commander's player for pro football focus, overall grade of 82.6. And also with Chase, he in the game for PFF had seven hurries and 11 total pressures, which were the most by any player in the 2023 NFL regular season through Thursday. Uh, Also, Chase for the game for PFF had a pass rush win rate of 37.9%, which is excellent. And Chase in the second half of the game per ESPN and the NFL's next-gen stats had a pass rush win rate of 42.9, which is phenomenal. Chase Young is playing well. I know that there has been some debate about this, but he is playing well. Perfect, no. (laughs) Well, yes. Uh, And then edge defender Montez Sweat, he on Thursday night finished with one and a half sacks, two quarterback hits, and a pass defense. He, for the game, was the third highest graded commander's player for pro football focus with an overall grade of 78.7. The commander's defensive line is playing well enough to win. The linebackers, uh, they have been far from perfect, especially Cody Barton. And why Cody Barton continues to play so much more then Jamin Davis is playing is bizarre. Cody has played on every single commander's defensive snap this regular season. But, you know, the commanders only play two linebackers. The linebacker position is not significant enough on this defense for linebacker to be the biggest problem with the defense. No, the biggest problem for the commander's defense is the secondary. How much of that is on the players? How much of that is on coaching? Very hard to say. But the secondary is the thing. Nobody has been worse than corner Emmanuel Forbes Jr., but he's not the only culprit. Corner Benjamin St. Juice has had issues. Uh, Kendall Fuller has been the commander's best corner this season, but he and the loss to the Bears got beat on some big plays. Safety Derek Forrest is not having a very good season. Safety Percy Butler has had problems. The secondary is giving up way too much. The Emmanuel Forbes thing is troubling. Uh, Writing him off as a bust or anything like that, five regular season games into his NFL career is ridiculous, but he got torched in the 34-31 overtime loss at the Philadelphia Eagles in week four. How he would respond to that bad performance was talked up quite a bit, and the response was him getting benched in the next game, this loss to the Bears. I mean, compare that with the response that we got from quarterback Sam Howell to his first bad game. The 37-3 loss to the Buffalo Bills at FedEx Field at Week 3. Sam responded to that uh, four-interception throwing, nine-sack-taking debacle by playing very well in that overtime loss at the Eagles. Uh, Forbes responded to his first really bad game by being so bad that he got benched. Now, in fairness to Forbes, there are some questions about coaching to be asking. A, why was Forbes on Eagles receiver A.J. Brown so much in week four and then on Bears receiver D.J. Moore so much in week five? Like, if Forbes is struggling, why isn't Jack Del Rio scheming things up to where Forbes isn't being asked to cover opposing teams' best receivers so often? B, and this is something that we're going to talk more about with Commander's analyst Mark Bullock this week, but Forbes is being asked to play a lot of man coverage when the idea had been for him to fit in well with the commander's zone scheme. This was Ron Rivera on Friday afternoon on where he goes from here with Emmanuel Forbes. 
Well, I think one of the things that we've got to continue to do with him and continue to stress is that work your technique, work your technique, work your technique. Tr- young man has a tremendous skill set. A um, little all over the place with his technique. Work his technique. We'll continue to work with him just like we will with all of our young guys. You know, we really believe that a lot of these young guys have opportunities and ability. We just got to continue to work with them. And that is the right attitude, but let's not sugarcoat this. A player taken with a number 16 overall pick in an NFL draft getting benched five games into his rookie regular season is a bad sign, a very bad sign. Emmanuel Forbes was said to have looked good during offseason and training camp practices, although he did have some struggles in those joint training camp practices at the Baltimore Ravens on August 15th and 16th. More from Ron Rivera on Friday afternoon on Forbes. You know, as we were going through training camp, we saw certain things that, that told us he's getting it. He's 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 doing the things that you would like him to do. You know, we saw it in some of the uh, in, in some of the the practices. We saw it in uh, some of the preseason games. Those little detail things that he was getting better at, and he's got to continue to clean those things up. And he's got to be more disciplined and and use the techniques that that we're uh, we're teaching him. You know, Ron Rivera keeps bringing up Emmanuel Forbes needing to use the techniques that the team is teaching him. Why isn't Forbes doing that? What is it about Forbes that is leading to him not doing that? What is it about the coaching that is leading to Forbes not doing that? Why aren't the coaches getting through to Forbes? There are a lot of things to be wondering about with this Emmanuel Forbes situation right now. Ron Rivera on Friday afternoon on the line between letting an Emmanuel Forbes play through his mistakes versus trying to win now. Well, I think um, doing what we did um, you know, with, uh, with Emmanuel was kind of the indicator that we can't, we can't go through this anymore. Now it's time. You know, we, we have to continue to, to put the guys out there that, that we believe are going to get it done the right way. Well, the Commanders' next game is at the Atlanta Falcons this Sunday afternoon at 1. Going to be very interesting to see how much Emmanuel Forbes plays in that game. One of Forbes' especially bad moments in the loss to the Bears came on the next-to-last snap of the third quarter. On a second and 10 for the Bears at their 37, Emmanuel Forbes, in defending D.J. Moore, gambled for a pass defense and whiffed, uh, resulting in a 32-yard shotgun play-action completion by quarterback Justin Fields to Moore on a short pass on which Moore generated 24 yards after the catch. And it was immediately after this play that Forbes got benched. Also on Thursday night was something similar with Kendall Fuller on a fourth quarter, third and two for the Bears at their 44. Kendall in covering DJ Moore gambled for a pass defense and failed. And the result was a 56-yard shotgun touchdown pass by Justin Fields to Moore with 4.09 left in the fourth quarter. Moore on the play generated 48 yards after the catch. The ensuing extra point gave the Bears a 37-20 lead. And so Ron Rivera on Friday afternoon got asked if perhaps the struggles of the Commander's secondary are linked to the emphasis on needing to generate more turnovers. Here was Ron's answer. It could be. I mean, that's, you know, that, that's a guess right there as to as what that you know, what Jack emphasizes causes, but 
as you said, though, you know, when you're, you're trying to jump routes, when you're trying to make plays, you're trying to do more than you need to. Um, those unfortunate things are going to happen. You know, you try to jump a, a jump around, and, and and the guy makes a catch, and next thing you know, it's, a, it's an explosive play. Uh, you go to, to to secure a tackle, you miss a tackle that turns into an explosive play again. You know, there's some individual things that need to be cleaned up. Um, you know, guys trying to do more than they need to, and you know, sometimes you got to give credit to to the other guy as well. The irony of that is that the commanders aren't generating more turnovers. The team through five games this regular season has generated a mere five turnovers. Rod Rivera on Friday afternoon on what he's seeing in terms of why the defense is not generating more turnovers. Well, I think part of it is just ball awareness, first and foremost. You know, we, we, we've gotten some real good pass rush for the most part. Um, part of it is when you're coming in as a pass rusher, you've, you've got to be able to, to get that ball out. Uh, we've had the ball on the ground, I think it was three three in the last two games um, that we didn't get close to. And we have to be aware of that. When the ball's down, you've got to be ready to jump on it, scoop it, and score it. Um, you know, those are the types of things that you got to continue to work on. You know, we have an emphasis on it every week as far as the takeaways are concerned. We go through a circuit. Um, and I think it's something that, you know, we got to continue to focus on because when they do come, they're going to be very helpful. Yes, turnovers are always helpful, but you know, turnovers also are fluky and random, and there's only so much planning and preparing that you can do to cause turnovers. Here's the bottom line with the commander struggling defense. The secondary needs to be a lot better. If the secondary starts playing a lot better, the defense as a whole will be a lot better. You know, a great debate in NFL analytics in recent years has been, what's more important, pass rush or pass coverage? The traditional answer is a pass rush. But more and more, as the NFL has become more of a pass-happy league, people have leaned toward pass coverage being more important than pass rush, especially in this day and age of quarterbacks getting rid of balls so quickly. I tell you what, what we are seeing with this commander's defense right now screams that pass coverage is the answer in terms of what's more important, pass rush or pass coverage. The commander's pass rush has not been perfect, but it has been pretty good. The pass coverage, save for the 2016 win over the Arizona Cardinals at FedEx Field in Week 1, has not been good. And the defense as a whole has been a massive disappointment. Just like so many Razors that you no doubt have dealt with. Yeah, uh, Razors can be just as disappointing as the 2023 Commander's defense. But I am happy to tell you no more struggling when it comes to shaving. My friends at Manscaped have something new for you. The Handyman. The Handyman is the best electric shaver ever. Featuring a compact design and next-gen skin-safe technology, the Handyman is designed to give you that smooth finish without the mess of a traditional shave. And here's a special treat with no trick for this Halloween season. Go to manscaped.com and use the promo code GALDI. My last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI, for 20% off plus free shipping. We've all dealt with bad razors that uh, make your neck look like a horror movie. Uh, What's great about the Handyman is that its skin-safe technology helps to reduce nicks and cuts, so you can finally feel confident when going for that close shave. And if you are a beard guy, Manscaped has the Beard Hedger, which is a high-tech beard grooming piece of excellence that offers 20 different beard lengths in just one guard and has a long-lasting battery, universal charging, and a strong motor. Whatever your shaving needs, Manscaped 
has you covered. Don't settle for mediocrity with your shaving. Get with Manscaped and take advantage of this special offer. Go to manscaped.com and use the promo code GALDI for 20% off plus free shipping. That's manscaped.com, promo code GALDI for 20% off plus free shipping. Hey, if you are looking for an amazing Washington Commanders fan community to be a part of, to placate your burgundy and gold obsession, make bgobsession.com your Washington football fan destination. BG Obsession, or BGO, has been the home of the most knowledgeable, friendly, and passionate Washington fans on the web since 2009. BGO is a special place at which you can join your fellow fans for some smart football discussion, great contests, game day chats, and even lifelong friendships. What are you waiting for? Visit and join BGO at bgobsession.com. Home to your burgundy and gold obsession. More now on the commanders of their 40-20 loss to the Chicago Bears at FedEx Field this past Thursday night. You know, the commanders going 0-3 since their 2-0 start to this regular season it continues quite the trend. Ron Rivera as Washington head coach is 3-1 in Week 1 games, but now is just 3-13 and in games that have taken place in Weeks 2 through 5 of seasons. Think about that. 3-1 and in week one games, three and 13 in games that have taken place in weeks two through five of seasons. The slow starts to seasons for Washington with Ron as head coach have not been about bad regular season openers. No, the slow starts have been about being terrible in weeks two through five of seasons. The commander's offense in the loss to the Bears was woeful in the first half, but a lot better in the second half. The commander's in the first half, just three points. The commander's in the second half, 17 points. This was Ron Rivera during his day after the game press conference on Friday afternoon on the performance of the commander's offense in the loss to the Bears. Well, after the first two, two, um, two, two series of going three and out, um, really just kind of saw them settle in and, and, and do some things, you know, give ourselves a chance. Uh, I thought, you know, the, the play in the third quarter was, was, was really good. Unfortunately, you know, we, we had the fumble that hurt us. Um, but uh, there were some really bright spots, some, some things that really showed what we're capable of. And then, unfortunately, it got away from us a little bit, um, you know, in the middle of the fourth quarter. But they did the things that, that, that gave us a chance, you know, scored some points. Uh, we got some, some good defensive play at that stretch as well that, that gave us a chance. And then, like I said, it got a little bit away from us. Yes, it did. The most remarkable thing to me about the commander's offense in the loss to the Bears was the frequency with which commander's assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy went with the pass. Uh, yes, the commanders were down 27-3 at the half, but the commander's pass run split for this game ended up being incredible. The commanders in the game ran 66 offensive plays. 60 of the 66 plays were passing plays. The commanders in the game had 60 passing plays versus six rushing plays with all six of the rushing plays coming in the first half. Quarterback Sam Howell had 60 dropbacks, 51 pass attempts, four scrambles, and five sacks taken. As you probably know, Sam is on pace to obliterate 
the NFL record for most sacks taken by a quarterback in a regular season. The record is 76 by the Houston Texans' David Carr in 2002. Sam has taken 29 sacks over five games this regular season. He is on pace to take 99 sacks in this 2023 regular season. But Sam, over five games this regular season, also has 191 pass attempts. He's on pace to have 649 pass attempts in this regular season. That would be a franchise record. The franchise record for most pass attempts by a player in a regular season is 606 by Kirk Cousins in the 2016 regular season. The Commanders with Eric Bieniemy as offensive coordinator. The Commanders with EB as OC are running as pass-heavy of an offense as we have ever seen with the franchise. Now, personally, I like this. I'm not complaining about this, but there's no doubt that Sam Howell is taking a lot of shots. And as you may have seen, left tackle Charles Leno Jr. questioned Sam staying in the game on Thursday night. Leno to reporters after the game, quote, I actually am worried, especially late in the game when the game's already out of hand. I feel like that shouldn't happen. We should take a different route in that aspect. But that's what the coaches want, and they want to show fight. We want to show fight and want to put some points on the board and show that we're not quitting for anybody. But there does need to be a little bit of smarts involved in that. We need him for the whole season, not just for a game that's out of hand already, in my opinion. End quote. Very interesting from Charles Leno Jr. I did not have a problem with Ron Rivera keeping Sam Howell in the 37-3 loss to the Buffalo Bills at FedEx Field in week three, because the idea was for Sam to play through his horrendous play in that game. I do think that Sam being kept in this loss to the Bears was the wrong way to go. Sam played well in the second half. The game was over, and what ended up happening was Sam taking two more sacks in garbage time. The two sacks came well into the fourth quarter on the drive that followed the Bears taking a 37-20 lead. There was nothing for Sam to play through at that point in the game. This was not the loss to the Bills. This was different. And so with all of this as a backdrop, we on Friday afternoon had this exchange between Commander's Insider Stephen Wino of the Associated Press and Ron Rivera. Well, we've talked about, obviously, when, when you guys fall behind, you're going to be in passing situations mm-hmm. a lot. But what's your concern level about the offensive line in general and, and being able to protect Sam in those situations that are obvious passing downs? Well, you know, there is a little bit of concern as far as that's concerned. But I also do think part of it is on on, on Sam just getting rid of the ball sometimes, you know, in, in, instead of trying to prolong the play and make a play downfield, which is one of his strengths. But at the same time, it could be a detriment. Um, but I, I do think, you know, the the key also is just try not to put ourselves in that position. I mean, you, you get down the way you get down, it, it, it makes it easy for the opponent to just, pl- you know, put those ears back and go. The commanders cannot continue to give up sacks at this current pace. Again, the NFL record for most sacks taken by a quarterback in a single regular season is 76 by the Texans' David Carr in 2002. Sam Howell right now is on pace to take 99 sacks in this 2023 regular season. The record is 76. Sam is on pace for 99. (laughs) That's absurd. Sacks are drive killers. Sacks are quarterback destroyers. Uh, Sam is sturdy and is proving himself to be durable, knock on wood, but he's not immortal. I mean, there's not a quarterback on the planet who can get sacked at this rate and not eventually get hurt. One more thing from Ron Rivera on Friday afternoon. He was asked for his message to Commander's fans. 
off the loss to the Bears. Here's what Ron said. Well, first of all, we, we, we let him down. I mean, I'm disappointed that we let him down. And, you know, like I said last night, a lot of it begins with me. I'm the head coach, and I got to make sure that, you know, when we get out there, we're, we're, we're doing the things uh, the way we need to get them done. And obviously we didn't, so that's on me to begin with. We'll get those things corrected. Um, you know, we're a young team. We have some young players that, that we're trying to develop and get them out there and doing the things we need them to do. But, you know, we're, every time we play, though, we're going we're gonna to play to win. We're going to give them our best. And, and sometimes our best isn't as good as it needs to be. we got to get those things corrected, and that's the truth of the matter. You know, Ron Rivera bringing up that the commanders are playing some young players is a way of, if not making an excuse, at least offering up a reason for the team having lost three consecutive games. And it is true that the commanders are playing some younger players. But here's what else is true. This is Ron's fourth season as Washington head coach. This being his fourth season as a team's head coach trumps the team playing some younger players. To say nothing of the team playing plenty of veteran players, the commanders are not some team playing an overwhelming number of first and second year players. What the commanders are is a team with a head coach who is in his fourth season as the team's head coach and who is in charge of player personnel and who, as Washington head coach, has a regular season record of 24-30-1. Good for a winning percentage of 445. And here's something else. Do you know what Washington's overall regular season point differential with Ron Rivera as head coach is? Minus 166. Washington over 55 games with Ron as head coach, has been outscored by a combined 166 points. (laughs) That's not good enough. Simple as that. That is not good enough. Well, something that is good, in fact, it's great, is Underdog Fantasy, which is offering a limited-time enhanced special offer to listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a deposit match of up to five hundred dollars for all new customers who sign up with the promo code GALDI. My last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI. Uh, I, for this season, am making fantasy football picks for Commander's Games in terms of underdog fantasies, higher or lower totals. Underdog fantasy is awesome. Uh, it is the best and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app. Underdog Fantasy offers pick'em games by which you can win up to 20 times on your money in one day and offers pick'em insurance, which gives you a little wiggle room if you're not as confident in an entry. Uh, And when it comes to season-long fantasy, Underdog Fantasy offers a zero-stress scenario of no waivers, no trades, even no lineup setting. We all know that playing fantasy sports can be ultra-time-consuming. Well, Underdog Fantasy removes the time consumption but keeps the fun and the potential to win money and take advantage of the free money. If you sign up now with the promo code GALDI, my last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI, Underdog Fantasy will double your first deposit with up to $500 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of at least $10. So in other words, if you deposit $500, you get $500 for free. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code GALDI. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app and use the promo code GALDI. 
Must be 18 or older, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and must be present in a state in which underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. And in Tennessee, call 1-800-889-9789. Well, uh, so much for Orioles magic. (laughs) Uh, The O's in the 2023 regular season went in American League best 101 and 61. The O's are the number one seed in the American League playoffs. The O's in their best of five American League division series are facing the five-seeded Texas Rangers as opposed to the four-seeded Tampa Bay Rays, who were the second best team in the American League in the 2023 regular season. And yet, the O's are on the brink of postseason elimination. Uh, The O's have lost each of their first two games of this uh, ALDS against the Rangers, despite each of these first two games being at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Game one, Saturday afternoon, a 3-2 loss in a game for which the start was delayed for one hour and 13 minutes due to rain. Game two, Sunday, an 11-8 loss. Game three is at Globe Life Field in Arlington, Texas, Tuesday night at 8.03. You know, the crowds at Camden Yards over the weekend were so good. The official attendance for Game 1 was 46,450. The official attendance for Game 2 was 46,475. The crowds were loud. The crowds were so ready and willing to erupt, and did erupt a few times, but the O's did not provide nearly enough reason uh, for the crowds to erupt. Look, Playoff baseball, tournament baseball is unpredictable. Uh, What a team does in the regular season guarantees nothing for the postseason. See the Nationals, who did not win a single postseason series in 2012, 2014, 2016, or 2017, despite winning the National League East in each of those seasons, but then won the World Series in 2019 as a wildcard team. <laughs> Go figure. Uh, the O's have lost each of the first two games of this ALDS against the Rangers for very different reasons. The 3-2 loss on Saturday in Game 1 was due to the Orioles hitting. Uh, the O's, over their final 11 games of the 2023 regular season, scored two runs or less in seven of the 11 games. The team's offense, very quietly, was not in a good place heading into the postseason. I talked about this with Eric Arditi of Barstool Sports on last Tuesday's show, episode 669. Well, sure enough, the O's in game one scored just two runs, totaled just five hits, uh, did work five walks, but went 0 for 4 with runners in scoring position. Uh, The five hits were comprised of a solo homer, a double and three singles. But we also in game one had a big boo-boo in the bottom of the ninth. Uh, Gunnar Henderson in game one was the Orioles starting shortstop and number five batter. He went one for four with a single and two strikeouts. Henderson in the bottom of the ninth had a leadoff single to right field, but he then got thrown out on an attempted steal of second base on what it turned out was a botched hit and run with right fielder 
Aaron Hicks batting. Uh, Hicks did not swing. Uh, there was some sort of miscommunication. Hated to see that Henderson, it was thrown out by Rangers catcher Jonah Heim, who is one of the best catchers in the majors at throwing out runners on attempted steals. Heim in the 2023 regular season went 24 of 82 on runners trying to steal. And Jonah Heim was drafted by the Orioles. Uh, Heim was taken by the O's in the fourth round of the 2013 MLB draft out of a high school in New York. Uh, The Orioles starting pitcher in game one, as expected, was their ace, Kyle Bradish, uh, but he was not at his best. Although, bottom line, the O's in game one allowed just three runs, so pitching was not the problem. But Bradish lasted for just four and two-thirds innings. He allowed two runs. He gave up seven hits, three doubles, and four singles. He did have nine strikeouts versus one walk, uh, but he over his four and two-thirds innings threw 84 pitches, 55 strikes versus 29 balls. The Orioles' bullpen in game one was really good. Five Orioles relievers combined to allow one run in four and a third innings. The Orioles' final three relievers in the game were D.L. Hall, Tyler Wells, and Cino Perez. They combined for three and a third scoreless and hitless innings with seven strikeouts. The Rangers in game one struck out 16 times and yet won the game. Uh, The 16 strikeouts by the Rangers in Game 1 tied the MLB record for most strikeouts by a team's batters in a nine-inning postseason win. Uh, But the Orioles' pitching most definitely was a problem in the 11-8 loss to the Rangers on Sunday in ALDS Game 2. Grayson Rodriguez. Grayrod, our guy. What happened to Grayrod? Grayson Rodriguez over 13 starts in his second stint at the major league level in the 2023 regular season had an ERA of 2.58. He ended the regular season on fire, but he in ALDS game two was a disaster. He lasted for just one and two thirds innings. He allowed five runs five runs in one and two-thirds innings. He gave up six hits, a double, and five singles. He issued four walks, recorded two strikeouts. Uh, He over his one and two-thirds innings threw 59 pitches, 37 strikes versus 22 balls. Uh, Rodriguez did throw a scoreless top of the first despite giving up a single and issuing two walks, but he in the top of the second allowed five runs on a double, four singles, and two walks, just a nightmare of an inning. You know, the O's led 2-0 after one inning, and then Rodriguez allowed the five runs in the top of the second. Uh, the exact opposite of a shutdown inning. Here was O's manager, Brandon Hyde, during his postgame press conference on Sunday night on what went wrong for Grayson Rodriguez. You know, four walks hurt, but, you know, he had a lot of... He was getting ahead of quite a few hitters there, especially in the in that big inning. Just had a tough time putting guys away. Some one-two counts, some O-two, O-two hits. Um, just for me, had a tough time finishing guys, and the guys he didn't, he was working behind on the count. And the other times with four walks, but uh, you know, it was just a young starter that uh, just didn't have his best stuff from the, from the get-go. Well, also not good for the O's in their 11-8 loss to the Rangers on Sunday in ALDS Game 2. It was the bullpen. Seven Orioles relievers combined to allow six runs in seven and a third innings. A lot was asked of the Orioles bullpen over the first two games of this series. And Orioles bullpen, that remember, is without its ace reliever Felix Batista due to him needing Tommy John surgery. Game one, the bullpen was good, but game two, the bullpen struggled. Brian Baker and Jacob Webb combined to allow four runs in the top of the third. Baker officially allowed three runs in a third of an inning. He faced 
four batters, but got just one out as he issued three consecutive one-out five-pitch walks. Baker in this outing threw 19 pitches, just five strikes versus 14 balls. 14 of his 19 pitches were balls. We call that not being able to find home plate. Uh, And then Webb came into the game and he gave up a grand slam. Jacob Webb gave up a one-out grand slam by Mitch Garver over the Great Wall of Baltimore and left field for a 9-2 Rangers lead. That homer went a projected 419 feet per stat cast. The Ozon Sunday allowed nine runs over the second and third innings. The bright spot for the O's in the 11-8 loss to the Rangers on Sunday in ALDS Game 2 was the offense. Uh, It finally woke up, and hopefully this is a sign of what's to come the rest of this series, but the O's on Sunday scored eight runs, totaled 14 hits, worked two walks, and went three for 13 with runners in scoring position. The 14 hits were comprised of two home runs, five doubles, and seven singles. The O's very much hit in ALDS Game 2. Aaron Hicks, uh, he made up for the uh, botched hit and run in the bottom of the ninth of Game 1 on Saturday afternoon. Hicks on Sunday as the Orioles' starting right fielder and number 6 batter went 2-for-5 with a 3-run homer and a 2-run single. He had 5 RBI. Hicks in an Orioles 2-run first had a 2-out, two 2-run two opposite field single to right field for a 2 nothing Orioles lead. And Hicks in an Orioles 3-run ninth had a one-out three-run homer to right center field to cut the Orioles' deficit to 11-8. The homer went a projected 411 feet per stat cast. Uh, Gunnar Henderson, he on Sunday as the Orioles' starting third baseman and number four batter, went two for four with a solo homer, a single, and a walk. Did strike out twice, but Henderson ended Orioles' one-run fifth, had a leadoff full-count homer to right field to cut the Orioles' deficit to 10-5, despite having been down in the count at 1.02. So he was down 0-2, worked the count full, and then homered. Uh, the homer went a projected 401 feet per stat cast. And Jorge Mateo, <laughs> he on Sunday as the Orioles starting shortstop and number nine batter went four for four with two doubles, an RBI single, and another single. Uh, Mateo ended Orioles a two-run fourth, had a one-out RBI single to center field to cut the Orioles deficit to 9-3. Jorge Mateo, in the 2023 regular season, it was one of the worst hitters in the majors. He had an OPS of just 607, had an OPS plus of just 70, and yet here he was in a postseason game going four for four with two doubles, an RBI single, and another single. Uh, that is the nature of the MLB playoffs. Things that make no sense end up happening. And uh, yes, this nature is part of the O's being down 2-0 in this best of five series. Here is the history that the O's are up against in every best of five postseason series in MLB history in which a team has taken a 2-0 lead. Uh, The teams that have taken 2-0 leads have gone on to win 78 of 88 series. 78 out of 88. Uh, Some more from Brandon Hyde during his post-game press conference on Sunday night. Yeah, I mean, we've... You know, our backs are against the wall right now, and, and you know, tonight wasn't our best night on the mound. Um, give our guys a lot of credit for being down, you know, 9 2 and then kind of giving ourselves a chance a little bit, getting some base runners, scratching away a little bit. But, um, yeah, we have to go to Texas and play well. We haven't played our best, two best games here, and, and uh, we've played well on the road all year, so hopefully we can play well on the road. 
Yes, hopefully. Uh, now, John Means is not on the Orioles roster for this series. Uh, this due to left elbow soreness, not what you wanted to hear with him having pitched so well over four major league starts in his comeback from Tommy John surgery. So the Orioles starting pitcher for game three on Tuesday night would seem to be either Dean Kramer or Kyle Gibson. Well, uh, the likelihood of there being another game at Oriole Park at Camden Yards this Orioles season does not look so great. But uh, if you are looking for great deals on tickets to an Orioles playoff game or a Commanders game or a Maryland football game or a Capitals game or a Wizards game or whatever, make sure that you download the Game Time app and use the promo code ALGALDI. When it comes to buying tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater, the way to go is with the Game Time app. Game Time offers great deals on last-minute tickets and has a best price guarantee. So you no longer have to worry if you're truly going about getting tickets in the best possible way. The Game Time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. And if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. What's also great about Game Time is how easy it makes searching for tickets. You can search by team, venue, or artist. Uh, I was just on Game Time looking at tickets for Commander's Games in the 2023 regular season. A lot of good deals, and the seating chart next to the listed tickets made figuring out what exactly I'd be getting super easy. Game Time is the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country. Game Time is the app for last-minute ticket deals. You don't have to plan months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Game Time also offers flash deals on tickets, and tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Get the tickets without the stress with Game Time, which is offering a special deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Here's what to do. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use this promo code, Al Galdi. You use that promo code, Al Galdi, you get $20 off your first purchase. Uh, terms do apply, but download the Game Time app, create that account, and use the promo code, Al Galdi, for $20 off your first purchase. What time is it? It's game time. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, we all love the NFL, and we all love pizza. So make Little Caesars part of your NFL game day. 
Little Caesars is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL. Order online during Little Caesars Pizza Pizza pregame, which is one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday. You can pick your favorite Little Caesars pizza. You can pick the toppings that you crave, kind of like picking players for your fantasy team, only with Little Caesars pizza, you never lose. And Little Caesars offers convenient delivery as well as the in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. Little Caesars, pizza, pizza. All right, let's talk some college football. Week six, which included games for Maryland and Virginia Tech on the road against top five teams. And (laughs) how about the final scores of these games? Essentially, right on the numbers. Maryland fell to five and one overall and two and one in the Big Ten with a 37 17 loss at then number four Ohio State on Saturday afternoon. A 20 point loss in a game for which the spread per Crab Sports was 19 and a half. Don't ever say that the odds makers do not know what they're doing. Uh, man, what could have been for the Terrapins? They blew a 10-0 second quarter lead. They got outscored the rest of the game 37-7, including losing the fourth quarter 17-0. Playing at Ohio State is just different. The official attendance for this game at Ohio Stadium was 104,974. The Terps have struggled with attendance for years. Here you have the Buckeyes drawing 104,974 fans. And the Buckeyes doing something like that is not new or surprising, but it just stands out when you as a program experience that. Off again, you as a program having struggled with attendance for years. The Terps' defense got off to such a good start, uh, but then got got. Uh, The Terps held the Buckeyes scoreless over their first five offensive drives, forcing a turnover on downs and then four consecutive drives that each ended in a punt. But the Terps then got shredded by Ohio State quarterback Kyle McCord. He, in the first quarter, went just 2-7 for just 14 yards, no touchdowns and no interceptions, and took two sacks. He, over the final three quarters, went 17-22 of for 306 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions and took just one sack. Uh, And the Terps got torched by maybe the best receiver in the FBS, Ohio State receiver Marvin Harrison Jr. He finished with eight receptions for 163 yards and a touchdown on 13 targets. The Terps defense did do some good things. The Terps for the game held Ohio State to just 3 of 12 on third downs and did hold Ohio State running backs Chip Trainum and Mayan Williams to combined 26 carries for just 84 yards and a touchdown. Uh, That works out to a yards per carry of just 3.23. But the Buckeyes passing offense got going and the Terps passing offense Never truly got going. Had its moments, but this was not a good game for Terps quarterback Talia Tungabailoa. He faced a truly good defense for the first time this season, and he struggled. Uh, Talia threw two killer interceptions. He, in the second quarter, on a third and five for the Terps at their 19, threw a 24-yard shotgun pick six to safety Josh Proctor. And Talia, in the third quarter, threw a shotgun interception off scrambling and spinning around on a third and 10 for the Terps at their 43. Talia completed just 21 of his 41 pass attempts. Talia, over his 41 pass attempts, threw for just 196 yards. That works out 
to a yards per pass attempt of just 4.78. Talia did have a first quarter, second and 10, 15-yard shotgun touchdown pass to receiver and West Virginia transfer Caden Prather, uh, who made a tremendous one-arm catch with his left arm. And Talia did have a third quarter, second and goal, nine-yard shotgun scramble touchdown run. But the Terps, to pull off this upset, needed Talia to be at his best, and he was not. Uh, this was Terps head coach Mike Loxley during his postgame press conference on Saturday afternoon on the performance of Talia Tungavailoa. I mean, obviously, when you turn it over, not good. Um, you give up a, a pick six there. Now, there's when you watch the tape, you know, the receiver's supposed to turn inside. He turns outside. That's a... A, a communication issue. There's a, you know, the ball should have been thrown inside. We should have had a receiver inside. But, you know, Lee is a veteran player. He's played a lot of football for us. Uh, we'll win and, and lose with him. Uh, and I'll take my chances with him because he's a competitor. I like this. Saw him play a little better today. We'll look at the tape, get him corrected, and uh, get back home and at the shell and, and got Illinois for homecoming. Yes, you do. Uh, Next up from Maryland is homecoming, home to Illinois this Saturday afternoon at 3.30. Meantime, Virginia Tech, it fell to 2-4 overall and and 1-1 in the ACC with a 39-17 loss at then number 5 Florida State on Saturday. A 22-point loss in a game for which the spread for Crab Sports was 23-and-a-half. Don't ever say that the odds makers do not know what they're doing. The Hokies trailed at the end of the first quarter 22 nothing. They did then score 17 consecutive points, but Tech then lost the rest of the game 17-0. The Hokies went with the Baylor transfer, Kyron Drones, as the team's starting quarterback for a fourth consecutive game. As the Hokies' previous starting quarterback, Rent Wells, continues to deal with an ankle injury. Uh, Drones was bad as a passer, but very effective as a runner. Drones as a passer went just 14 of 27 for just 104 yards. Uh, No touchdowns and no interceptions. Took two sacks. His yards per pass attempt was a microscopic 3.85. But Drones as a runner had 12 carries for 93 yards when you take out the two sacks that he took. Uh, yeah, the Hokies' rushing offense was very good. Running backs Malachi Thomas, Bashaw Tootin, Bryce Duke, and Chance Black combined for 21 carries for 129 yards and a touchdown. That works out to a yards per carry of 6.14. But Tech's run defense was horrendous. Tech's run defense has been a major problem this season, and the run defense on Saturday was perhaps at a low point. Tech allowed Florida State running backs Trey Benson, Lawrence Toafili, and Rodney Hill to have a combined 23 carries for 263 yards and three touchdowns. Tech allowed Benson to have 11 carries for 200 yards and two touchdowns. 11 carries, 200 yards. That works out to a yards per carry of 18.18. I mean, that is like something you do in a video game, not in real life. Uh, Tech did hold FSU quarterback Jordan Travis to just 170 yards over 24 pass attempts, but he did finish with two touchdown passes versus no interceptions. Losing that first quarter 22-0 really doomed the Hokies. This was their head coach, Brent Pry, during his postgame press conference on Saturday evening. Obviously disappointing um, to start the game that way. It starts with me. Um, we didn't play well, and, and they're good. And all of a sudden, it's 22-0. Um, didn't feel like us, didn't look like us. Um, and I, you know, and then we responded. 
against a top five team. Uh, we responded and for a large chunks of the game played toe to toe with those guys, uh, which is encouraging. But, uh, you know, we got to be better. I got to be better in starting the game and making sure these guys understand that, that, that we can play with them. Um, and not have to figure it out, you know, after going down 22-0. That's a good football team. They're fast. They're big. They're explosive. Um, they're a top-five team. But, you know, I'm disappointed in a lot of things. Um, but I'm also encouraged by a lot of things. You know, we, we played – we did not play complimentary ball at all early in the game. You know, and then you find a way to get back in it. And it, it's, at some point, I think it was 17-17 the rest of the way. And – no, it's just uh, it's disappointing. I'm disappointed for our guys because uh, they play hard, they battle. We got to play smarter. We got to be more detail oriented. We got to execute better. We got to do better as coaches. There's some things we got to clean up. Uh, yes, there are. Next up for Virginia Tech, homecoming, home to Wake Forest this Saturday afternoon at 3.30. Good win for Navy, the midshipmen. Uh, they improved to 2-3 overall and 1-2 and in the American Athletic Conference with a 27-24 win over North Texas at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium in Annapolis, Maryland on Saturday. Navy's rushing offense was outstanding. The mids totaled 54 carries for 336 yards and three touchdowns when you take out the one sack that the mids took and you take out the mids three kneel downs. Uh, fullback Alex Tesca led the way 17 carries for 137 yards and two touchdowns. But maybe the biggest item for Navy from this game was what happened at quarterback. Navy head coach Brian Newberry in each of the team's previous three games had gone with the two-quarterback approach of starter Ty Lovatai and backup Blake Horvath. Well, Newberry for this game started Blake Horvath over Ty Lovatai at quarterback. And Lovatai for this game, in fact, was the mids QB3 as opposed to their QB2. Braxton Woodson was the QB2, but both Horvath and Lovatai ended up playing and being impactful. Uh, Horvath uh, went 0 of 2 passing and took a sack, but he had 17 carries for 89 yards when you take out the sack that he took. However, Horvath got knocked out of the game by injury. And then Newberry went with Lovatai and not Woodson. So Lovatai played in his 22nd career game, but first as a non-starter. And he as a passer went 4 of 8 for 75 yards, a touchdown, and no interceptions. He took no sacks, and he had three carries for 28 yards. Uh, this was Newberry during his post-game press conference on Saturday evening on Ty Lovatai. I want to say I'm really proud of uh, Ty Lovatai. You know, he uh, had a conversation with him early in the week that we were going to go with the other two guys, and, um, you know, he he owned his role this week. He was awesome, had a great attitude. He was coaching those guys up in practice. Heard him encouraging them last night. I was out there as a coach on the field today, and, and his number got called, and he went in and did some really good things. I'm super proud of him, you know, leading us to victory there. Yeah, what a job by Ty Lovatai. Uh, now, Navy's defense was uh, rather mixed. The mids' run defense was really bad. The mids allowed North Texas running backs Io Adei and Isaiah Johnson to combine for 17 carries for 163 yards and a touchdown. That works out to a yards per carry of 9.59. Uh, the mids allowed North Texas quarterback Chandler Rogers to go 22 a 32 average, 8.34 yards per pass attempt, and have a touchdown pass versus no interceptions. And the mids allowed Rogers to have a second quarter, second and five, 75 yard 
shotgun read option touchdown run. But the mids totaled eight sacks of Rodgers. The eight sacks, a program record for a single game. And among the eight sacks were two sack strips that resulted in fumbles that the mids recovered. Also, the mids held North Texas to just a two of 11 on third downs. Uh, Navy did have a bit of a penalty problem, uh, seven penalties for 41 yards. Next up for Navy at Charlotte this Saturday afternoon at two. So Navy got its first win over an FBS team this season. And Virginia finally has a win this season, uh, albeit a win over an FCS team. But a win is a win. Uh, the Cavaliers improved to 1-5 and five overall with a 27-13 win over William & Mary at Scott Stadium in Charlottesville, Virginia on Saturday afternoon. Now, the Cavs had to overcome a 13-3 second quarter deficit to defeat an FCS team in William & Mary in a home game for the Cavs. So yeah, all is still very far from well for UVA, but the Cavs' rushing offense was great. Running backs Paris Jones and Kobe Pace combined for 32 carries for 217 yards. Paris Jones had 12 carries for 134 yards. So that works out to a yards per carry of 11.17. Kobe Pace had 20 carries for 83 yards. A gutsy effort by Monmouth transfer Tony Musket. He was a Cavs starting quarterback for a second consecutive game of his return from a three-game absence of suffering an injured left shoulder in the Cavs season opener, the 49-13 loss to then number 12 Tennessee at Nissan Stadium in Nashville on September 2nd. That shoulder still is not right, but Musket was good. He went 17-26 for 232 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. He did take four sacks, but he had seven carries for 42 yards and a touchdown when you take out the four sacks. Uh, he actually left the game for a play in the fourth quarter due to his left shoulder. And very interestingly, Grady Brosterhouse and not Anthony Calandria came into the game. Uh, the head coach of the Wahoos, Tony Elliott, he during his postgame press conference said that the intent is to keep true freshman quarterback Anthony Calandria's redshirt capability intact. Calandria already has played in four games this season. Uh, that is a good idea, keeping the redshirt status of Anthony Calandria intact. Uh, who's receiver and Northwestern transfer Malik Washington, a fifth consecutive good game. He finished with seven receptions for 112 yards and a touchdown on 10 targets. He is having some season. And the Hoos defense played well. It held William and Mary to just 13 points and to just 3.78 yards per play. Again, William and Mary is an FCS team. Again, the Hoos had to overcome a 13-3 second quarter deficit to win this game. But the Who's got the win next up for Virginia at North Carolina, but not until Saturday, October 21st. The then number 14 Tar Heels improved to 5-0 overall and 2-0 in the ACC with a 47 win over Syracuse on Saturday. Tar Heels quarterback Drake May, the successor to Commanders quarterback Sam Howell as UNC's QB1. May for this 2023 season through week six is number nine among all qualified quarterbacks in the FBS and ESPN's total QBR at 85.8. QBR on a scale of 0 to 100. And also on Saturday was a win for Old Dominion. Uh, the Monarchs improved to 3-3 three and three overall and 2-1 and one in the Sunbelt Conference with a 17-13 win 
at Southern Miss on Saturday evening. ODU head coach Ricky Ronnie off benching starting quarterback Grant Wilson in the second quarter of the Monarchs' 10-9 home win over Texas A&M University Commerce on September 23rd, and then starting Jack Shields at quarterback for the 41-35 loss at Marshall on September 30th. Again, started Shields, but then benched him in the second quarter in favor of Wilson. Uh, Shields went 0-4 passing. Wilson went just 8-18 of passing, but did throw for 194 yards. Neither quarterback had a touchdown pass or an interception, but Shields and Wilson combined to take five sacks. ODU quarterbacks this season have taken a ton of sacks. Uh, Ugly win, but a win. Next up for Old Dominion, home to Appalachian State, but not until Saturday, October 21st. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Tuesday's show, episode 674. We'll have plenty for you on the Commanders as I will welcome on not one, but two guests. I'll chat with Commanders insider Sam Fortier of the Washington Post to talk Commanders defense, quarterback Sam Howell, and more. And I will have a conversation with Redskins historian Mike Richmond who is the author of multiple books about the Skins, including a new book, George Allen, A Football Life. Some great insight on one of the most important people in the history of the franchise, former head coach and general manager, George Allen. Have a great rest of your Monday, and I'll talk to you on Tuesday. No, no. We've, what, game five? We've got 12 left to play. Um, There's plenty of football left. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.